Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod bonus podcast patrons uh, for episode 209 with Marie Cisco. Man, this topic that I've been sort of making myself go into as a lifelong avoider of things that are comfortable is or things that are uncomfortable is tricky. Um, you, if you didn't hear the main conversation, you need to listen to it. It's really good. Um, but there's also a moment in there, which I alluded to in my post on, on Patreon when I shared the main interview there, um, that I felt, I found myself in the middle of a blind spot, which was very unfortunate because the whole conversation was about decentering whiteness. And I asked a question that in my opinion, and I think I don't, Marie didn't say this, but I mean, I was centering whiteness. I was taking the the focus back off of black lives and putting it back on white theater people. Like, what are they going to do? Um, not cool. And it's, I'm glad I learned that. And I'm glad I did it. But I'm hesitant to say that because she's not the person that needed to teach me that. Like, I, I feel like I wish I had figured that out on my own. Right. You know, um, and I didn't. And mistakes happen. And this is, you know, Learning anti-racism and um, acknowledging my own racism and the way that I priv- I'm privileged and, and um, benefit from white supremacy is um, not a comfortable thing to be aware of. Um, you know, that's eh, just not. <laughs> like We all want to think we're good people and, um, and good people make mistakes. So that, I think, is my takeaway of like, wow, I wish I had known better. Um, but I didn't, and now I do. Uh, and the conversation was great, and maybe it's not even as big a deal as I think it was. I, I think it feels like a big deal to me because I don't want to be that guy, um, and I am, um, and I'm learning how not to be. So I think that's the takeaway. Um, I'm glad that I have this space to sort of work it out, but still, like I have never re-recorded the intro to this podcast or my main podcast as many times as I did with this Marie Cisco conversation and I'm making it more about me than I need to. But I, I, while I see that I'm, uh, making like making about my feelings, <laughs> I think it's important for other white people <laughs> to be like, okay, like, yeah, we got feelings about this stuff, but we got to keep doing it anyway. That's my message about all of this. Um, and we can't avoid these conversations and we can't avoid saying the wrong thing because as you learn stuff, I had a teacher back in Houston Community College, Mary Care Warwick, when she would always be calling us to the board and it was fun going to school there because there were a lot of adults and people who were you know, going back to school after deciding to change careers. So I was in this, there were a lot of adults and it was funny the way she was like, okay, come up to the board, like treating us sort of, she treated the class like it was like kids. Um, and if someone made a mistake on the board, she'd be like, oh, I love mistakes because that's how we learn. It's true. So, um, yay. I'm glad to be on this path. I'm glad you are on this path with me. Uh, I am committing myself to continue um, to explore and um, become a, a better anti-racist. Is that how you say it? And um, and keep learning and, and challenging myself to 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 ref- see myself, might see my reflection and, and, and move forward and learn. So for whatever that's worth, I feel like every time I go on about this, it's a little like, dude, just, just do it and don't make a deal out of it. 
And maybe that's what I need to, I don't know. Anyway, uh, not very many people listen to these bonus podcasts anyway, so it feels extra safe to talk about this. If you do have an opinion about this, I would love for you to comment about it on Patreon or send me a message. Um, I, let's start a conversation or a Discord. There's the Discord server um, that uh, a few of you are in, just like three or four. Um, yeah. Um, a, another check-in. I'm looking toward doing a... Um, a new zine. I, I have it almost completed in terms of the writing. Uh, Jordan has uh, started looking at it and editing it. And um, I'm looking toward, I haven't talked to <laughs> Luke Curtis about this. Luke Curtis, AKA Jordan. Um, he, so I don't know for sure if he even has the bandwidth to do it in time for this, but I thinking of doing another special fee, a special offer starting on December 1st running it for two weeks um, for the new zine and sending the new zine out at the end of that. So um, that's what I'm looking toward. That's not a promise, um, but uh, I, I really want to get this new zine out because it's kind of a cool story. Anyway, that's a lot of Patreon check-in, a lot of anti-racist check-in, a lot of white feelings, and it's time to move on. Okay, I will talk to you later. Here's uh, the conversation with Marie. Hey, patrons, welcome to your bonus episode. Marie Sisko is joining me here again. Hello, Marie. Hi. Uh, thanks for doing both podcasts, especially this one. It's kind of, this feels like a little cozier. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd love to talk about your your theater history, like your own, not necessarily all of theater history. Yeah. But, you know, what, have you always been interested in, in creating theater? No, so it. I mean, it started in high school, so it's been a while. But um, when I was younger, I thought that I was going to be a pediatrician, you know, or some sort of doctor or lawyer just because it was practical. And my parents are immigrants. So, like, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. um, and so in high school, um, you had to do an extracurricular activity. And in uh, the ninth grade, I was running track because that's what all my friends were doing. And uh, I grew up in Atlanta, so it was very hot. And uh, I quickly learned at the end of my freshman year that I, A, did not like running and B, it was too hot to pretend. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I have to find something else. And I tried out for cheerleading. And if you know anything about me uh, in my current iteration of myself, uh, you know, that is very similar to my 16 year old iteration of myself and that I had no business, um, trying to be a cheerleader. Um, and so I didn't get on the team and I, you know, had a drama teacher at the time who I had taken a class. She was like, audition for the play. And I was like, okay. And my friend did it. And I was cast as an ensemble in little shop of horror. Horrors, oh, nice. I love that uh, which show. is a musical. And I fell in love. Like it was the first time I felt like I was a part of something where like, there was people from like, you know, kids that I did not talk to in high school that were not a part of my friend group. And everybody just came together to like achieve one goal and was like totally all in. And um, I just had fun. And so I like, you know, acted in plays for like a year. And then I was like, you know, I don't think I want to act like it's just too much. Like, I don't want to have to sing and walk and talk. And like, <laughs> it was just too much for yeah. me. So I was like, I wonder what they're doing on the other side of the table. So I started stage managing and, uh, you know, assistant directing and things like that. And I knew I wanted to pursue a career in theater, but I wasn't exactly sure on what capacity. You know, I was like, do I want to be a director? I don't know if I want to be a stage manager. I didn't really like stage managers, but I'm a Capricorn and I like control. So it worked and I was still a part of the theater. Uh -huh. um, 
And so I decided to go to um, school for theater management, which was a very like not common major at the time. I think there was only three schools in the country that had it as a major. And the theater school at DePaul University in Chicago was one of them. So that's where I ended up. And even while I was in school, I didn't exactly know, um, you know, like as a theater manager, the things that were presented to you were, you know, you can be a managing director and sort of like run the business aspect of the theater. You could be a marketing director. You could be audience development, you know, these sort of things. And none of those were really sexy to me, but I was like, oh, I got to figure it out. Um, because I was still a creative and I still wanted to bridge that creative. And I was like, I don't know if being a managing director is going to do that. And I was interested in the idea of being a producer, but the way that um, producer was sort of presented to us in school is um, that all producers were Broadway producers. You know, you had to be a commercial producer and you had to have your own money to funnel into your projects. And everyone that we sort of like they brought into class to meet us was old and white. And I was like, well, I'm not old and white and I don't have my own money to funnel into my projects. So I guess producer is out of the question. And uh, so I got out of school and I was working independently um, or professionally in Chicago and I, I stage managed. I did, you know, marketing and things like that. And none of it, I, you know, I really cared for. And so I went back to school and I did a one year MA interdisciplinary arts program at Columbia College, Chicago. And that was where I got the freedom to sort of like make work that I wanted to make um, within my cohort, you know, help them produce things and put things together. Um, and that's when I was like, you know what, I'm producing and I want to be producing and I know I don't have a bunch of money and I know I'm not old and white, but I'm going to figure it out. Right. <laughs> you know, I figure <laughs> out how I can be a producer in my capacity, um, with the things that I have and, you know, with the skill set that I have. And so I was like, and I'm moving to New York, you know, and I'm going to be a producer. And I moved to New York and I was like, I'm starting my own company. This was like maybe six, seven, six years ago. And, you know, I failed miserably um, because I, you know, didn't really know the landscape of New York. didn't really know what I was doing. Didn't, you couldn't figure out how to make money. Um, And so I just kind of like let go of that dream. I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm just meant to work in institutions. And so I kind of became an institution baby. And, uh, you know, worked at the National Black Theater in Harlem and then came to the public and did some other things independently um, until I finally, you know, got the courage to sort of um, do it on my own. Uh, my last year at the public, I, I met Lee Daniels, who's a, a film director and producer. And, uh, you know, I was like, I really want to gain some experience, um, you know, producing for film and TV. And he was like, well, come work with me. Oh, and wow. so I left the public. <clears throat> and um, went out to LA and worked on two pilots and co-produced a feature film with him, uh, Billy Holiday film that's coming out in February. Um, and that's where I was like, you know, I can do it. Like, you know, and, and, and it's really just about having the confidence and making the connections and um, believing in the dream. And um, so that's kind of the trajectory of, of how I started theater to where I am today. And um, yeah, building, building my own company, doing things that, um, that I want to do the way that I feel they should be done. Um, I've always in, in any institution or place that I've worked in, I've always had moments where I'm like, mm, I would do this like this. Or, uh, I don't know if, if that's actually going to work. Or, you know, this isn't working. Why don't they just do this? 
And, um, you know, so finally it was like, well, instead of like convincing other people that my ideas are right, why don't I just like do my ideas <laughs> and see yeah. if they're actually right? <laughs> yeah. But that's what's so exciting. Like a lot of your story, like I can relate to as being, I studied music in college Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of like, I, uh, long story short, I graduated from high school. I did like a year of college, became an alcoholic and a drug addict and then like got sober again, like five years later Mm -hmm. and, um, and went back to school. But Mm -hmm. when I went back to school, I also started teaching and working as a music director. I was in Houston at the time and there was, it was really interesting to be like working in the theater, granted like small, you know, independent theaters and then going to school and having my instructors telling me like in the real world, it's going to be like this and really giving me this Mm -hmm. sort of narrow idea of what I could expect from my life as an artist. And that it wasn't the whole story. And it wasn't until I got out of school that I was like, Oh, like I could also do this. Or there are these yeah. other opportunities. So it's kind of, it's cool to hear that. Ah, it, it, it feels frustrating to me that that's how, I mean, I guess in undergrad world, that's how it feels to me. Like, it's almost like, it's almost like, I don't know, putting, throwing people to the wolves or whatever cliche to use here. Like, okay, it's going to be, this is this rigid world you have to look forward to. Are you going to make it? And if you do, then like, okay, we'll tell you a little more now about what you can expect. Right. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. And like something else from other undergrad that I remember that was very detrimental is um, I remember they sort of like fed us this um, in order to be an artist, you have to struggle mentality. Mm-hmm. And and so I think a lot of people really romanticize that like, oh, I'm not a real artist unless I like am still eating ramen noodles or like I'm barely making it or I'm like doing art for the love of it. And, um, I think that that is very backwards and problematic. And, um, I hope that, uh, that they are not still doing that, but I think they are. But I think that's also very much a Chicago thing. Like it's very much a storefront theater town. And so people feel like, oh, this is, you know, how you have to sort of do it. But, um, yeah, like the, you know, there's no, there's no straight blueprint to being a creative because that's part of being a creative. It's like, it takes you wherever you need to go. And so, um, undergrad art schools in general are just sort of bizarre unless they're they're teaching you that that you have to find your way that they'll give you everything that you know but at the end of the day um yeah you create your reality you know you really do yeah to a certain extent there was a part of my time uh was when i got back when i went back to school in my mid-20s i went to a um community college and I was my instructors there were actually working in the theater as well, doing the type of thing I'm doing now. So at, to me, that was a much more uh, encouraging experience to see like, oh, this is someone who's like teaching, oh, and doing mm-hmm. theater and doing this. And it took me a while to get to it. And I wonder if you had this experience too, but you know, a lot of the things I wanted to be an artist and that's it. But over the past few years, especially I've been like, well, I think teaching is part of my art. Like, you know, like all of these things kind of fall into how I present myself in the world and what I share with the world. So. Oh, absolutely. I think it's so important to be hyphenated and to figure out how your skills can be useful in other spaces. I think, you know, 
we used to sort of think uh, if you're an artist and you're also like teaching and doing these things, it's because you aren't quote unquote making it or mm-hmm. because you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that like couldn't be further from the case. Like there are so many successful artists who teach um, because, you know, that's a part of the purpose. That's a part of the mission. Um, and it's necessary. Um, so I definitely, yes, find myself being, um, hyphenated and wanting to, um, do fill a pool to, to sort of figure out how to, how to turn around when I can and, and give back, whether it's like one-on-one mentorship or, you know, doing sort of like a, uh, a training course in, in something. Um, but absolutely. Mm. I totally hear you on that. Yeah. And it, and it helps in terms of having like multiple <laughs> jobs all the time to have like different exactly. streams of income. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. It's been so great talking to you in both conversations. Yeah, I'm really too. glad we connected. Me too. Thank um, you so much for having me. Yeah, for sure. Will you say your website again? I don't have it right up here. Yeah, it's www.ciscoproductions.com. Perfect. So Marie Cisco, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Michael.